Welcome. Thank you for hanging out with us once again. This is the one and only IT in the D Show, and we are broadcasting live from our homes, not quarantined anymore. This is your host, Bob Walton. I'm hanging out with producer Randy Walker. Guest this week, the illustrious one, Superman, the CTO of UWM. That's a lot of acronyms and letters there, but Jason Bressler, one of my favorite people in the business or in life in general, is uh, we're lucky enough to hang out with him for a whole hour. Uh, Jason, appreciate you being with us. Wow, I'm so happy with that introduction. I don't even know what I could possibly say right now. I want to know where you buy a Tupac wearing a Red Wings jersey piece of art like that. That is amazing. I have scoured the United States. It took me a while, but I found Tupac with his with his Red Wings jersey to make sure that I completed my whole East Coast, West Coast. I got Biggie with his crown on over here, and then I got Tupac over here. Nice way to represent. Uh, but, hey, you can find us online, itinthed.com. Do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials and subscribe to us everywhere. Find podcasts or sold. Like we announced uh, last week, big announcement. The month of June is going to be our first meetup in over a year and a half. It's going to be at Nancy Whiskey in Corktown in Detroit, 5 o'clock. No sponsors, no speakers. Um, Calvin Moore wants to have lunch with you. He's one of the AEs, Jason. Just uh, <laughs> He just posted on <laughs> Already, you're getting lunch requests. All um, right. Thank you, hey, Calvin. Nancy Whiskey, we're going to be on the back patio. I'm going to introduce my dot dot card. Um, my little uh, my my business my my dream has come true. I'm not going to hand out business cards anymore. Jason, you need to get one of these. They're like twenty bucks, and you can tap the back of someone's phone and dump all your per, all your info on it that you want. But you don't have to hand out cards anymore. Why would I ever want to get something like that? That just seems like it's opening up just a Pandora's box. Um, yeah, I mean, for sure. either that or you have a shoebox full of business cards. Take your pick, right? Yeah, for sure. But so, so, what did you? Uh, anything you watching this weekend? We always kick things off with a TV. Um, so I have over the last two weeks, I have rewatched every single Marvel movie, so that I could then watch WandaVision and okay. uh, the Winter Soldier. And uh, so I've been, I'm, I'm on episode. I just started episode four, I think, of the Winter Soldier. Yeah. So that's that's been my life right now. Oh, wait, no, also. I have been watching um, my 600-pound life. I just discovered that show. Holy crap, is that the greatest and most depressing show I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, both things together. It's a great dichotomy. I got hooked on 90 Day Fiancé because that guy with no neck. I oh, my God. Big Ed is the greatest thing ever. Uh, yeah, sure. He puts mayonnaise in his hair. It's the, it's the best. It's he's so awkward. You can ask him anything, and he just wants to give you toothpaste. It's the best. There's, I don't know why he doesn't already have his own show. Like, that guy oh, needs to be... For sure. So, hey, before I, I totally forgot, um, but as as it's customary now, moving forward with the IT and the D show, we got to do a shot to the one and only Dave the Geek Phillips. Uh, this is uh, our favorite Baron Jaeger. So, uh, miss you, buddy. Cheers to you. Whatever you're drinking, drink uh, shot for Dave. So, cheers, Jason. One of the um, one of the stories this week. I've been laughing. First, they first they came for um, the pipeline, our gas, and then they came for uh, our meat. And this week, they, they're coming for our news and our TV. And yep. I think it's time to wage war now. So if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, three like local um, TV stations got hit with ransomware. And they've literally been offline for three days. And if you're an IT guy at home, 
you're 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 grabbing your forehead right now, going just revert fifteen minutes back on your storage, but it's not that easy. Like, what the hell is going on right now? Are people just not protecting their stuff? Don't have DR in place or, or disaster recovery plan? What's your take on all this garbage going on? So I don't think it's really a disaster recovery plan problem. I think honestly, what the issue is is a lot of people have not invested in security for a really long time because they haven't had to. Like. You get to a point where your company says, I think we're okay. We've never had an attack. Let's leave things the way that they are. And it is it is so time consuming. And to be honest, and I think as anybody knows, mentally draining to have to constantly worry about ransomware. And so this is what happens is, I mean, there's people that are much smarter than all of us and anyone else that do this for a living and, you know, try to attack. And I, it, it makes sense that it's happening right now for sure. But like I, I remember stories going back. We used to we've been talking about this for five years, and there was stories going back then that like some libraries got popped, and instead of repaying the ransom, it was cheaper for them to take every piece of gear, unplug it, throw it in the garbage, and refresh. Yeah, exactly. and it took them a, they were down for a day, and then they just came back to normal. But like you're seeing the pipeline paying five million made me cringe. Like you just set a precedent. And now the 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 shit's the can's open. Like the can of worms is open. Um, I guess what do you, as an organization, we'll we'll get into the the size and breadth. Of, even like a small business, though, what the hell do you do? I mean, other than constant communication, backing up your stuff. You know, that's the first thing. I mean, obviously, back at, back everything up. There couldn't possibly be a better you know case for cloud infrastructure and cloud computing, no matter how small you are or how big you are to actually try to let somebody else handle a decent part of it. But then also, you know, everybody preaches all the time security awareness. And if the fact, if, if, if you can't spot it with your employees, with your team members yourself, and how people are getting in in the easiest possible ways, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, that's really what it is. To, to be honest, that's what almost all of these boil down to. I saw a stat today, and I don't know, you know, stats are made up, you know, 98% of all stats are made up on the spot, but it was saying like 91% of all of these breaches are through someone clicking an email that they shouldn't. Yeah, for um, sure. Like like 38% of people who have amazing beards use oil to make uh-huh. sure that the beard looks nice and thick like both, like both of you. So I actually, I absolutely get it, but that's what happens. It, it, it almost always comes through an employee clicking right. on something that they shouldn't do. We uh we had a client today, and I won't say who they are, but there's a instead of a double letter, they put in a triple. They registered the domain with a triple letter in the middle, like let's say it was a M and there was three M's, um, and someone sent sixteen thousand dollars today, and just to a hey switch our bank account. This is the new wow. one, and we're just like oh. <laughs> like we and we've been fighting and fighting, and you know Office three sixty five has a great product built in, and there's other products out there that you know. But like, how do you stop? Like, you can't tell. Like, spending money should be like that one thing where you kind of have to like two factor someone, right? Exactly. But it doesn't exist for almost anybody, and it is so most people are not sophisticated enough to even see the smallest amount of either ransomware, spyware, or spoofing at all. I know it's like the the security awareness thing. I think needs to get more eyeballs because again, that's kind of you can buy all the crap in the world. Then you know you got Tuesday in accounting. This is oh, okay. I'll transfer it to a new bank account, and then you know you're hit. I mean, so did you, uh, yeah, right. Did you jump on the EFT craze yet? Not the EFT, no, not yet. You're not. So I've been laughing because we we had uh, lunch today with a guy who's all over the EFT stuff. Oh, you mean and, uh, NFT? 
NFT. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I know what you mean. So we, we, we talk about it all the time. We talk about how we could actually use it within our business and how we could use it as part of the currency. But uh, no, we're not, we're not jumping on that just yet. There was apparently somebody sold, and I'm missing the boat because there was a guy, what, Randy, two weeks ago that sold um, an NFT fart. And yeah. apparently somebody sold an 18. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Look it up. Um, apparently some guy sold an $18,000 invisible sculpture, and someone bought it. That really seems like something you would have done, Bob. Honestly, like I feel like this is a, a, a story about Bob Waltonspiel. The fart or the sculpture? Both. Oh. <laughs> I was pissed. I mean, granted, it was only $80, but I'm like, if it's 80 bucks, I could make like, that's like a lot of money every day. I could, you know. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So if you insure an invisible sculpture, how does the insurance company verify that something actually happened to it or not? Apparently he's getting a certificate of authentication for yeah. this thing. But what do you do? You're like, can you authenticate this? And here's the <laughs> thing. Um, Three falls in the woods. Oh, it's yeah. over there now. I moved it. Right, right. Oh, you, you can't. Uh, yeah. I, seriously, this whole thing, even like the crypto stuff with the Dogecoin and all that. We, you know, we were talking about like, oh, this this dumb craze with uh, GameStop. Guess what? I look up the stock today. It's three hundred bucks. So everyone that jumped out when it dipped a little bit, it's back yeah. higher than it ever was. And it's like this stuff make you know the world makes no sense to me. I don't, you know, especially the NFC stuff and the invisible whatever. Um, so you did something that very, very few people do. And it's to me, like, you know, that's, I brag about you more than anything, but you got to ring the damn bell at the New York stock exchange. You, you got to talk about that experience. Cause as far as I'm concerned, that's like, you know, you're up, you're right up there with like meeting Muhammad Ali, you know, ringing the bell that, you know, or meeting Bob Walton spiel. So <laughs> I told you what you're saying. So it, it, honestly, it, the most surreal piece of all of it was, there was nobody in New York. There was nobody on Wall Street. There was nobody in Times Square. There was nobody even on the floor of the of of the of the stock exchange. So it was this very kind of like quiet. Okay, let's start making noise now. Let's go. And it was still it was unbelievably cool. So don't get me wrong. It is they they make it such an absolutely fantastic experience. But during coronavirus, it was just so surreal and strange and still amazingly cool but yeah i don't know i don't know like i don't know a good way to put it i mean it was i've never felt more proud in anything in my entire career just to be included in anything like that to be honest right. with you. yeah very very strange overall so is the floor closed it's not like trading places everybody with paper and screaming buy buy sell sell yeah. it was completely closed when we did it so this was like january 22nd when we went public and so there was nobody on the floor they had you know like even jim Cramer's desk were looking down on it he wasn't there. They had a couple of other like closed interview sections, but otherwise it was just us. That's crazy. But still though, that's just for the photo op alone. Just to say like I was there and take a picture with the bull and the bear. And you know, it was very cool. Like, again, I feel like I had nothing to do with any of this. It was all, you know, like people smarter than me and the people that, you know, even in, in IT that are so much smarter than me that actually did everything, but it was very cool to represent for sure. So one of the things I I've been thinking about what to, you know, we've had conversations more than we care to admit, and usually it's goofy stuff. But like I think a lot of people would like to know like like a day in the life, like or or I guess let's even take a step farther back. You know, the one the people that have aspirations of 
of leadership or being a CTO. There's, there's tons, you know, we always talk about the path and it starts with level one help desk and it kind of, you know, builds up from there. And then you get to be a sysadmin, an engineer, and you maybe, you know, you know, aspirations for the roof or for the ceiling, you know, but like getting there, I guess, talk to me about, I guess, that process. Is, is it a little bit luck? Is it a lot of, you know, uh, having gift to gab and a technical acumen? Like what, what's the, you know, the total package? Bob, do I seem like I have the gift of gab? Yes. Really? Wow, you can never say that. You can get in, <laughs> when you get in front of a room and own the room for a half an hour. Yes, you got it. Gift uh, gab. You're adorable. Thank you. Uh, you know, honestly, what I would oh, yes, a hundred percent. Some of it is luck. I would say that ninety three percent of it is hard work and literally seizing every single opportunity when it comes, even if you fail. And that really is the biggest thing is I will jump onto anything at any point if I can learn it myself. If I can, I'm big on learning through osmosis. I would, I hate like certifications while they mean things and degrees mean things for sure. It shows that you can sit down and study and learn and listen. More importantly, if you can actually just jump in, if you understand human beings, if you understand the value of work ethic and you understand problems and you care about the work that you do, that's how I did everything. Like I started having no idea about anything and Microsoft and, and learning networking all on my own. I tried to do my CCNA, which was maybe one of the hardest things I ever did. And I don't really care for detail. So I just scrapped it. And, you know, I just tried to, I asked everybody that was smarter than me for more information. And then I got into crystal reporting, which then turned into SQL. And then I got into PHP code. And then I started to get into C Sharp. And it's, it's all of it. It's, at some point, if you really just care about learning, which a lot of people say that they do, but a lot, of, but most people don't actually want to like give their all to learning something new all the time and then applying it um, into everyday life. That really is, I mean, it's been the secret to my success for everything is just getting in and then figuring it out while I'm in the midst of it, but having such a strong desire to succeed while I'm doing it that I think has made it made it more successful for me than than others probably. So you said something interesting about the, the the no no certification thing, and I know some people that like live and breathe and die by those, and, and brag about them. And and as hiring managers, people look for that. You know, if you don't have them, how do you get around it? Because like, you know, telling you know I can learn, like that's great. But you know, in the interview process or in that whole like growing process, you know, aren't those things in such demand that you need to have them? So yes and no. I think the thing is, is if you find a company that's willing to invest in you the same way that you're willing to invest in them. So I've been doing this for 25 years, only in technology, only in mobile companies. I've only been at three companies. Well, I've done all of that. And so I'm a big proponent of sticking it out. And hey, if I'm going to be loyal to you, then I hope that you're going to be loyal to me. And if you can find a company that'll do that, the thing is, you know, if you're going to throw yourself into anything, as long as you're a domain expert in that company, you can really grow in a ton of ways, especially if you're willing to get strategic about, okay, I understand this ecosystem. I understand this setup, but now how can I take it to the next level? And how can I do that on my own? Like, what do I need to learn? Like, how can I go research? It's, it's a lot easier when it's, a, when it's like a smaller sphere instead of taking the entirety of let me learn everything about the Cisco 8825 that just came out and exactly how, how to apply the firewall to it and all of the rules behind it. But if you learn what it means to your company and how you could actually increase 
speed and security and, and things like that, well, then you become much more valuable to the company that you work at. And hopefully they value that and then want to continue to, to promote you because of that. So what's your take on reading videos, tutorials, labs, hands-on, hands-off? What's your, you know, because I know a lot of people that do it 20 different ways to skin that cat. You know, what, you know, I guess what works for you and what would you recommend for someone like, that's level one help desk right now that wants to be a, a god in the industry? I mean, so I would say the, the very first thing to do is if you truly want to, and again, you got to be happy where you are. You got to trust the fact that people have your back. But if that's the case, the very first thing, and I say this all the time, is raise your hand and say, I have no damn idea what any of this means. Can you please show me? And so, like, that's the very first thing. Because watching tutorials and videos and trying to set up labs only goes so far because it's such a controlled environment. But if you can get into a real-life environment, even if it's down, at least there's something that you can play around with in some sandbox where if you're in some kind of safe space, you learning through that means and something that you already have some kind of level of knowledge and understanding with takes you so much further than trying to watch a tutorial, setting something up at your house, and then hoping for the best the next time that it happens. However, if you're not happy where you are and you're just looking for the experience and the understanding to have a good conversation when you get interviewed, then great. Yeah, setting up a lab and watching videos and being able to actually talk the talk without being able to walk the walk. Sometimes you'll in the door, but, but then, again, like those are the kind of things that can be very fraudulent uh, type of, you know, resumes and build up. You get in there and you're not a super strong work ethic, you know, type of person who's willing to just put their head down and, and figure things out. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think, I think right now, because you think about it when we started in the business versus now, you know, the 96, 97 versus now between the Coursera's and the Khan Academies and you can get Harvard degrees now at home. Um, mm -hmm. There's a, there's a YouTube tutorial on everything. It's, it's, I, I don't want to say it's overload, but it kind of is like, where the hell do I start? Um, for sure. But I mean, and, and, you know, Bob, this is the thing. And, you know, for anybody else watching, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people know, but like, you know, I, when I met Bob the first time, sometimes people just like when, when you have the understanding that, you, you you know a lot, but you also have those innate skills. It's finding the right match at the right time. It's, you know, and again, the first time I met Bob, I'm like, Bob, I, and we had only met for a couple of hours. I'm like, you need to come work for me. You do. Like, you have this innate skill. You're great at talking to people. You have a good enough technical expertise and understanding. And Bob crushed it. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the thing. It's like some, it's seizing every single opportunity. And, and again, Bob was just another opportunity. Where I met you, and I'm like, and and you and I meshed right. Like even the first time that we that we met, we clicked. We had a good like we we liked each other, and so it worked out well. You know, like it worked out well for you. It worked out well for me. And that's the, those 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 are very rare in this business. Like sometimes you meet somebody, you click. Sometimes you meet somebody and they go, "I would run through walls for you." And sometimes you meet people and say, "You know, I don't mind uh, hanging out with you." And it's it's that rare thing when you get like kind of all three, where right. you know. I, I not only want to run through walls for you, I want to, you know, uh, but yeah, that was, you know, like I said, friends for life. I, you know, appreciate the opportunity. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about from what I hear, <laughs> like the team, like when, did, like when you started at UWM, how big was the team compared to what it is now? Cause I heard you guys, it, it's, it's bananas right now from what, everything that I'm hearing. 
Yeah, so we were 200 people. I, so I just had my five-year anniversary last weekend. So we were 200 people five years ago. We're just about to hit 1,300 team members inside of IT now. So that is stupid, reckless growth for sure. But, you know, again, it's a good mixture of technical, non-technical, you know, socially awkward, not socially awkward. It's bringing all those things together. And it, it really is just managing the people. And that really is the most important thing. You know, when you talk about technical, non-technical, introvert, extrovert, like, you know, I I always, you know, I wrote something on leadership uh, not that long ago. And I said, it's kind of like super friends where you don't need Flash to be the alpha because you already have Superman and Batman. You don't need Superman to talk to fish because you have Aquaman for that. But like, how do you figure out that that group of people are going to, are going to match? It's a very, it's a very delicate intricate thing you're getting like the puffer fish where you have if you have two alphas going at it or you know what i mean or just all introverts that won't talk you know how do you put those those pieces together i mean i think the thing is is if you recognize at least at a high level who you have and that's a very difficult thing to do to recognize personalities but if you can do that it's then throwing different people in and then telling those people and again very good, and I think Bob just wants me to talk about how great he is, but I will. No, how great you are. Finding somebody and saying, hey, I need you to bring these people together. And this is who, this is what I think that I have, but I need you to take them from here all the way up to here. And it, but, you know, you got to actually, and I know this is a very difficult thing for most people to do, but you got to be able to recognize in other human beings and then tell those people what's really good about you. You know, and again, it was Bob the first time we met. I told you, I'm like, dude, you are awesome. Like, you got a good technical expertise, but you could literally talk to anybody at any point and make them feel like they are the most important person in the world. And that that's exactly what happened, right? You came in, you had a, you like, I mean, you already had it, but when somebody tells you, hey, I like, I see this in you and I want you to do that, it gives you a little more confidence and power to get in there. You know, and have a bunch of first dates with a bunch of people that work for you and get them all to mesh and feel empowered to be able to do that. Yeah, and that's one of the things is uh, having that and then learning what makes them tick. Because we talked all the time, there was, you know, especially during COVID, we learned a lot about who was massive overperformers when they were allowed to code at three in the morning. Right. And and be, you know, and kind of left alone versus the ones that, you know, had to come in, you know, and we're getting bugged all day and, and too much distraction and stuff going on and it's getting them isolated. You know what I mean? But it takes six months, nine months, 12 months to figure that out uh, as to who does what the best. Right. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like it, just like anything, you. But my feeling is if somebody wants to get to the, not even the highest level of leadership, but if somebody wants to get to even the middle tier of leadership and really take it to the next level. It's all about understanding people. Anybody can learn technology. Anybody can be an expert in a specific vertical or a specific field of something that they do by reading a lot, talking a lot, and being able to turn around and speak back out to those things. But if you don't know, like, you know, it just goes back to the no man is an island, you know, and you cannot do everything yourself. And at some point, the older you get, the less energy you have to actually want to be able to do everything yourself all the time. The easier it is to get all the people around you and build a team around you of people that are like you, but also not like you and actually complement all of your weaknesses. 
you know, and so it's great that you think that I have the gift of gab. I do not think that I do. <laughs> and so that actually made it much better for me. Yeah. And that's one of the things like I have my, the, my worst trait is remembering names. Sometimes it takes three times. Sometimes it takes something unique happening. Something, you know, it depends, but like you need to know 1300 people's names. I do. And so I study it. I study flashcards every day. I make sure that when I see people, I put it in my brain every time. So I'm like, Bob, good to see you every time I walk down the down the hall. Randy, look at today, buddy, as I keep walking, like, and make sure it's a, and it's a really big thing because everybody wants to be recognized by people all the time, especially if they've never met me. And now I've gone so far as I interview, you know, and not face to face, but on Zoom, every single person before we give an offer. And so that way there's a good connection. They know that they can come talk to me. They know I'm just a normal human being. But more importantly, I for sure actually turn away a lot of people because I realize they're not like me. Like they're not what I'm looking for in that role or in my organization or, you know, who we have. And the ones that I do bring in, I like I've had a conversation with them. I understand them on a personal level much better than I would I would have if we just brought them in and I had no idea who they were. And so it just makes the whole thing feel a lot better. So. I guess let's take a huge step back. Like, you know, everyone wants to know, like, for a C-level, a day in the life. And, you know, and I watched you and I watched, you know, especially Ishbia, just, again, talking about remembering names. That guy is the most unbelievable human being I've ever seen in my life with uh, name remembering, especially when you have, what, eight, 9,000 people at your company for crying out, you know. Um, but, like, you, you, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, you're up at the crack of dawn. You're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're jogging by my house every morning, taking selfies in front of the porch. I do do um, that. Uh, but yeah. I mean, your work, and then you're working until you know eleven o'clock tonight, mm -hmm. and you're, you know, rinse and repeat. Do you, I mean, do you sleep? I mean, when does uh, you get me time? Like this is, uh, I mean, this is all day. I do. I like to. So I'm, <clears throat> I'm up very early. So I'm big on routine. I think that's a very important thing to do. I really do feel that the most successful people stick to a modicum of routine and then allow for the chaos during the day. And sticking to the routine makes the chaos much easier to deal with. If you don't have routine in your day, like I make my bed every morning, but not just that, like I will clean my, my place here. Like I'm a serious, like I'm Dexter. I will clean this place. So it is so nice when I come back home because I don't want chaos when I come back. And so like I wake up early, I know no matter what, if I go to sleep at 10, 10 PM or I'm out until two 30, I still got to get up at four 30. I got to work out. I got to shower. And then I got to get into the office. And then from there, there's a couple of things that I always have to do. And then I allow for the rest of my day to make sure that I, I can allow for drop-ins. I can allow for chaos. I can allow for outages. I can allow for strategy and architecture and planning, but then also, you know, I want to make sure that scattered throughout that day is there's certain checkpoints that I can always come back to, to make sure that I'm not out of, that no matter what happens, I'm not out of control. And that, I think that is an, an incredibly important and uh, an incredibly important thing to be able to have, to be able to stay sane when you do everything. And I also have, you know, three kids and they're young, 10, six, and almost five. And so, you know, dealing with them too is just, you know, it's the, it's the same thing. They have a routine. I want them going to bed at the same time. I want them waking up around the same time. I think they make their beds every morning. They have to pick out their clothes every night before they go to bed. I want them to understand that exact same thing because I think that's really important in life. 
that's no, I work. I'm just gonna, I was gonna be funny because I'm so not that, and that's probably why you are where you are. And I'm more, you know, <laughs> I'm just, uh, I wish I was you. I do, I wish that I was you. See, the problem is there, I gotta pick two or three of those late nights, and then you get the late mornings. Then you see, that's the thing though, I can appreciate that because there's there's some mornings where I don't just, I'm not, I don't want to be up, you know what I mean. And then, you know, I got to pop the four Advil and, and go get that donut at Tim Hortons. And then the donut gets into the belly and then, you know, you're starting it all over again. So, yep. I mean, I can totally appreciate that. But, you know, with the whole Dexter thing, I was going to laugh. I go, do you have the the, the saran wrapped uh, people in the closet? Is that a uh, – is that – yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's that, – you know, and that's another thing because, like, itinerary is one thing. Having 73 side conversations is another and then somebody asking, hey, did you, you know, because I find myself doing this almost, you know, every other day going, hey, did you end up t- circling back on this? And I'm like, oh, my God. And I got into my notebook. I'm staring at it. But, like, you know, for you, I've seen what you do during the day. And and I wouldn't wish it upon many people or that can handle it. But, like, how do you make sense of all those, the side conversations? The meetings are easy, right? You have an agenda. You have meeting notes. You have a recap. And you have action items, but like those sidebar conversations, those one-offs, like, "Hey, bud, can you?" Right? I mean, that's going on all day. How how do you make sense of that? So, at my level, the easiest way to do this, and this is the best trick I could ever give, is I never have a side conversation, especially with anybody that works for me, for sure, without making sure that they have an actionable takeaway, and I do not. So, if you know, if Randy comes to me and he says, I need these, you know, Jason, can you help me with this thing? You know, and so we'll talk about it for a minute. I'm like, okay, yes, I can, but not until you come back to me and bring me this. And then that way I'm absolved of anything until Randy comes back. And I'll, I'll remember in my head, you know, I'll remember that Randy and I had the conversation and I'll be waiting on him. But when he comes back, then I have my own actionable thing that I need to do. And that's quick. Like I know that I can move on that quickly if he's done what he said he's going to do. But it's the easiest way. So, like so many people will come at you every single day wanting something from you. Totally fair, totally normal. But it's not possible unless you have like a chief of staff walking around next to you like the Devil Wears Prada, just writing everything down all the time and you know trying to do all those things. <clears throat> but if you can put empowerment and ownership back to the people that are asking you for something, A, it gives them all the responsibility in the world. So, hey, you can come to me with anything you want, but I'm going to ask you to do this thing first. And if you come back to me and show me, and hey, let's talk about, the and, and if any of you have watched my 600-pound life, I love the fact that this doctor does this all the time. He's got these 600, 700-pound people that come, and they're literally dying, and they want anything. And he's like, hey, here's all I want you to do. In the next 30 days, you have to show me that you can lose 30 pounds. If you can lose it, I will do an operation. It's the same thing. It's like, just show me that you care enough and you're not looking for a magic pill. You're not looking for me to take care of something for you. You go do something and come back to me and then I'll do my part for that is the best way to manage everybody coming at you all the time. Sure. No, it's phenomenal. No. And that's the thing that, you know, it's, uh, with, especially with teams going on, people calling and, you know, then all of a sudden you're in the middle of something, you're not paying attention to that. So like, yeah, just getting all that, like, and I try to keep a notebook. I have this, uh, the, the hipster, uh, hipster laptop. I keep it in my thing and I write notes all the time and, you know, and I'm looking, I look at it all day and, but like, still it's uh, those, those, those weird little things that always get past me sometimes. And it, you know, I, and I appreciate the insight on that. Do you so, use yeah. any sort of note taking or organization techniques, like getting things done or 42 folders or anything like that? 
I'm awful with that. I think the best way for me to manage everything is email. And so I try to go to sleep every night with five emails or less, even if I got 3,000 during the day. I ask everybody to email me and I will go through at night and try to respond to those emails or delete them or you know manage that one piece of it. Um, and over time, I think the, the easiest way to do it is the more that you can create a um, level of empowerment to your team, the less people will ask you for things and the less that they'll come at you with wanting more things from you if they feel like they're actually trusted. And, and the email so, thing probably goes back to your giving the action item to the person who reaches out to you is even exactly. if it's just as simple as send me an email with the details or something like that, that yeah. way it's on them. You would be surprised how few people actually follow up on things like that. Most people want an easy answer, just like they want a pill to lose weight. So they come and they say, Hey, can you do this? For sure. I could do that, but I need you to do this thing first. Even if it just is, you know, Randy, to your point, just as simple as saying, Hey, send me an email with the four things that you're looking for, and I will respond back to you and, and, and how I think that we should do that. There's a lot, most people will not do that. They're just looking for that really quick fix. I think the, the thing is overall, and you know, hopefully, you know, and at least I, I, I guess I could point to you, Bob, and this one piece of it is the more time you spend with people and the more that they get to feel that you actually care about them, the less they start asking you for certain things, the more they feel like they would do anything. I, I would hope, Bob, you know, at this point, and, and I'm sure that you do, you know, based off of our relationship, but just like you and just like just about anybody that would work for me, I would do just about anything for you, right? Oh, yeah. like, it, you know, when you need something, I'm always like, I got you, you know, like, mm -hmm. I know that you've been there for me, so I for sure have your back. And the more that that happens and the more that those routines keep happening, the more people don't feel like they need to ask for things because, again you know that I, I trust you to do your thing. And you also know that if something goes awry, I still have your back with that. And that really is the easiest way to manage things. It just takes time. You got to see the forest for the trees. Yeah. And some of the, the, the pains that we're going through being, you know, I, I went from a huge organization, huge IT organization to a very small organization. And, and it's amazing the microscope that could put, it gets put on you. You know, it's sometimes it's, I don't want to say it's easy when you're with a team because it's, it's more, it's more of a collab though. It's kind of like being on an offensive line versus being a running back, right? You kind of need both. Um, that was a bad analogy, but you understand what I'm saying. Like with that microscope on you and you're alone on this island, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, and I guess everybody's a little bit different. So, um, you know, again, you got to put people in the best spot and let them uh, kind of be their best. A um, couple of people uh, chimed in. I know uh, Mike Dennis was asking, hey, he wears a lot of hats. He's a generalist. It seems like the postings for you are very specific. Um, is there room in the org for, you know, someone that's a generalist? Yeah, like of course. In, in some of the bigger sizes. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, I was just looking at that too. And, you know, so the, the, the thing is at some point, if you know, you want to make a change in your life, your career, if you want to like really take it to the next level, the hardest thing. And again, this happened for me too, is it's so easy to be the guy or the gal that's relied on all the time for everything. And so you become a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And so at some point, and UWM happens to be a, a, a good environment for this. Not every place is like this. We need a lot of people, but we don't need just anybody. And so if you can take a step back and say, I'm good at eight things, but I want to focus on this one, that one will get you in the door. But your experience of the eight other, of the eight other things can move you very rapidly through the organization because we're growing so quickly. So pick one and then decide 
once you're once you're in and you get a lay of the land, exactly what you want to do, and that makes it so much like do do you want to lead? Do you like did you come in for a database developer, but you really wanted to learn C sharp and move in that direction? Well, we have all those opportunities, but at some point you got to pick something that you care about that you think you're the you're the most of an expert in, and then just see what happens. And again, it's all about seizing opportunities and you know trusting. Well, that was uh, it, the, reminds me of a story. We used to always meet people at our networking events and like, so what do you do? And they're like, I'm in IT. Right. Like, yeah, no shit. So is the whole rope. What do you do? And like, well, you know, a little bit of Windows, a little bit of Linux. I'm like, no, 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 no. What do you do? And then you ask them eight questions. Then finally, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an admin, a Linux admin. Right. And like, well, why did you just say that? You know what I mean? And I think too many people want to be everything to everyone. And, and really, at the end of the day, they're, you know, they're three things really good. Exactly. And I, you know, and, and like, so I do this all the time too. People ask me what I do for a living. I try to be like, I hate saying what I do to anybody. So I'm just like, I say the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm just an IT. And I say the same thing. That's funny. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. It's like I, I hate saying exactly what I do, you know, and most people get it. Cause you know, like I'm all, I got, I got tattoos everywhere and you know, I could, I can wear them out and are like, Oh, that's great. You're in IT. And they leave me alone. The people that are in IT, actually want to know what I do. And then it's, it's a much more interesting conversation. But you know, the thing is, is, you know, and I, I like to say this all the time is you got to own up to what you know and what you don't. And so that's the most important thing. And, and, you know, I love the song by, by Kanye West, but you know, like we're all self-conscious. I'm just the first to admit it. And so the more that you can say, Hey, I like these things, but I have no idea what I'm doing over here, but Oh my God, would I like to learn so much more about this shit, you know, is like, Things like that, when you're vulnerable in what you do and what you don't do, that's what actually endears you to other people and makes people want to invest in you. When you say you're the best at anything, I'm the dumbest person here. Bob's smarter than me. Randy's smarter than me. I like, I know it. I 100% know it. I just happen to be in a really good position. And so I want to take advantage of that. And I want to get smarter people around me as much as possible because I know that helps propel me and my organization so much further than if I stood up at the front of the room and said, I'm the chief technology officer. Everybody listen to me for everything that I say. It, it has to be right. You know, like that's awful. Who wants to work for somebody like that? Yeah, and that's uh, that was one of the biggest criteria I had when, when you bring people in or when, when I would hire people that I want their hobbies to be related around their profession in a way i get it if you play softball or whatever but like with me it was always this and i you know the networking group and it and the d that was my side hustle but i want do you have raspberry pi in the basement do you, are you tinkering are you are you screwing around with something i want to know like when you leave this shop is, is technology entrenched in your in your dna or is this just a means to an end so you can get drunk with your buddies on the weekends right I totally agree and, totally. and it tells you everywhere you need to know to put them wherever they you know some some of those are great workers from nine to five, but that's where they're going to be for 10 years. And that's totally fine. You need those. But the ones that you know are going to be are the ones that go home at night and study AWS scripts or, you know, security in the cloud, do all, all the, you know, the high end crazy stuff that I have no idea what they're doing. But, you know, those are the ones you want to bring in. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like, so again, I interview every single person before they come in now. And so I tell them all, and I absolutely mean it, that this will be the last place that you work. And if, if, if it's not, then I'm failing as your chief technology officer. That means I'm not offering you enough training. I'm not giving you a safe space. I'm putting you in a position where you feel like you're pigeonholed or that you can't learn more. And so again, if I talk to someone, and I always ask everybody the same two questions. I ask them, you know, what it is about UWM, the position, the team that, you know, wants them to be part of us and our family. But 
more importantly, you know, I, clearly I'm very energetic. I bounce off the walls. I'm a very passionate person about what I do. I know I have the best job in the world. And so I ask people what they're passionate about all the time. And most people are very passionate about work and continuous improvement in themselves and things like that. Some people, I ask them, and they're like, huh, I don't know. I don't know that I'm really passionate about anything. I'm like, I don't want you. <laughs> right, right. You know? That's the thing is like, if there's nothing else behind what you're talking about, then it doesn't make, what's, what's the point? Like we should all be in this for the, for the, for the long haul. That's what I always kind of, it came natural to me. Just, I don't know how, but it just came naturally to me that you always find something that someone wants to talk about when their eyes light up. Right. Like, you know, talking about waking up at four 30 in the morning, jogging, your eyes light up. You're like, I can't wait. I'm just kidding. Um, but, <laughs> but like, there's certain things that you can just like some people, Hey, you know, craft beer. And their eyes light up, and then okay, let's just double down on that. It's it's a uh, it's a Joe Rogan thing. He does that, right. where you know he might be not so much into beer, but he loves hearing you talk about it, and he'll kind of egg you on a little bit and just let you go. And uh, that's something I've always, as a human being, like I always, you know, it's never. And I'll tell stupid stories too, and whatever. But at the at the end of the day, I want to, you know, I want your eyes to light up. What you know, again, what are you passionate about? You can get twenty things with me, like. You know, I got friends that I, all I talk about is we, we collect action figures since quarantine. There's nothing else to do. So we started buying Star Wars figures. Don't make fun of me. Um, but now I like I bond with like a bunch of guys and we, you know, we have our little cases now and we set up our little figures and we don't we don't play with them. We're not allowed to. They're for looking only. Um, but, you know, you find stuff other people are into and you talk and, you know, and you just wow. run with it. You are the cutest <laughs> human being I have ever met. In my life. <laughs> Next time. Uh, I'll have you over and I'll let you see my when when the product's finished. My little my little oh, I can't wait. I can't my wait. little guys. I don't let, I don't talk right. I don't go like hey or beat them up or anything. I don't do any of that. They're I just there, it. you know. My uh, my one friend actually put together. He's a big Marvel junkie. Has like four bookshelves, and his nephews come over, and I'm like, how hard is it to tell them that you can't touch that? Like for for a seven year old kid not to be able to play with the greatest toy collection ever. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, yes, Bill, Star Wars figures. Um. <laughs> so speaking of like like the gym stuff i you know i need to start getting back in the gym and i know a lot of us are health conscious or we've been eating better something i i don't know if i was talking to you or if i saw you posted online but you got what your workout little mirror machine didn't you get one of those i don't have a mirror i have a tonal so the tonal is possibly the greatest thing that's ever existed uh it, so it is like an all-in-one gym but attached to your wall and so it's all magnetic weight and it's all personal trainers and it's all video, like it's all online. And I don't actually use that part of it. But so like for me, and again, being in IT for my entire career is, uh, so I weighed 135 pounds and I smoked more than a pack a day, maybe two packs a day. And it wasn't until I was like, wait, hold on. 135. Yeah. I remember when I was in sixth grade too, you know, 135, <laughs> get out of here with that. Wow, sixth grade. Come on, you were like four. But yeah. <laughs> but True. You, you know, like I hit a point where I was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. I can't. And I I, I couldn't sleep at night. I had to take an inhaler every night just to sleep through the night because I'd wake up coffee because I smoke so much. And we like so many of us do this in IT is it's just it's stressful. It is such a stressful job. And smoking happens to be one of the times, at least it was for me, where when I needed to solve a problem and everybody was freaking out on me and everyone's yelling and exchanges down and you know even back in the day when it was like nt and you know then even server you know 2003 and the only chance i could get to be by myself was to go outside and smoke a cigarette 
and just try to think. And I was like, oh, that's it. I didn't do this one thing. And I throw my cigarette and run inside. And so I got to a point where I was just like, I got to stop smoking. And when I stopped smoking, I started working out. And that was kind of what changed a big part of my life. Because if any of you have ever smoked, you know, you got to replace it with something when you quit. And so I didn't want to eat. So I ended up working out. And the tonal is just absolutely fantastic. I love it. I love to run too. I, I, and I shouldn't say that. I hate to run. I just have gotten- Nobody to likes the, running. Nobody likes running. I have gotten to the point where I know that it's good for me. And I like to push myself a little further every single day. I like to make myself just a little bit uncomfortable every single day in something. And running is a really good way to do that because running sucks balls. It really See, does. Now, so. Before my knees got trashed, I used to love, I could do it with a basketball in my hand. Like I yeah. used to play a ton of hoop when I was younger. And when, if you put a basketball in hand, I never really worried about the, the running or the steps I was taking. And then if I just, you say go run, I'd go 10 feet and I'm like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cause it's sport. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even to, you know, your point and, and, and Bob and I live very, very close to each other is, you know, it was fun for me to run by Bob's house and take a selfie, send it to Bob and tell him, you know, Hey, I wish you were out here and then keep running. Cause it like, it, it, like you got to find something that can actually keep you going when you're going to, you know, actually make a change like that. And then two hours later I'm waking up and then, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. But still, but still, it was, it was nice that you woke up to my face. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, that's how I used to keep myself occupied running. It was always just watch a TV show or something, you know, distract myself so that I wasn't paying attention to the running. I was paying attention to what I was watching. So that's how that's I caught up with Archer. Yeah, for sure. Isn't there a new season of Archer? Uh, August 25th. Okay. All right. Never got into it. That was Dave's thing. Um, yeah. But like, there's too many IT guys that I know, and I didn't see too many at UWM to be honest. But like, just the the ones that are kind of like IT managers of of automotives or smaller companies that are three big huge monsters a day, you know, two packs of smokes, and, and it's just you know, and they look, you know, the 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 joke was that in sales that you age, you know, two x, but like those guys are just, you know, how do you like what happens to you after three cans of like I'm talking the 24 ounces, and he goes, I drink three four a day, I'm like. Dude, you're gonna, your heart's going to blow up for one. You know, I'm that's, not the picture of help, but I, you know, you drink that many? Oh, yeah. Lots of caffeine. Oh, see, again, on the, on the flip side, I knew someone that drank three or four quarts a day of Diet Coke from McDonald's, completely addicted. And when that's they, yeah, and when they stopped, it was like they almost had a heart attack from the withdrawal from that. It's it's nuts what your body screams at you. And you, you I go two days without and I get killer headaches. I used to feel like. I used to drink. I used to drink a lot of diet coke too. Yeah, for sure. I get that. So jumping back on the tech side, another thing that I'm kind of uh, I'm always intrigued about on how like you know, especially leaders in, in you know, especially in your shoes, how they or how you keep up with what is the, I guess, latest and greatest, the new hotness, the the direction. I mean, are you in a peer group? Are you trusting your guys unequivocally? I mean, quite. You know, uh, we used to always say question. You know. If you make a decision, I want to question you. But like, how are you keeping up as to like, hey, which direction we should we go zero trust? Should we, you know, I know you're not on the security side, Scott is, but for the most part, like, you know, should we be all in the cloud? Should we be 10% in? Like, where do you, where you, whose feet are you reading? Are you peer groups? What, what, what's the best way you keep up with everything? So definitely reading, definitely peer groups. But I think the most important thing, and we are a total unicorn for this, and you know this a little bit, but this does not exist in most places. I do love the bottom-up approach of having the team members actually in the weeds 
float everything up into what they think could work within the tech stack. And we happen to be in a great place where we can actually support that. And it doesn't matter if we spend money and it doesn't work out. We're going to have learned a lot from it. I'm going to have empowered a lot of those people to feel comfortable in bringing things into the stack and bringing things, um, just even bubbling up different platforms and tooling that we could possibly use. I'm totally good with all of that. And I, for me, I feel like that's the best way. I don't live within the weeds every day anymore. It's just not possible with 1,300 people. It's sure. just not anybody who says that they that they can are absolutely lying to you. And so, I the own my and, and there's a million ways you could do this for sure. There's a, you know a, a a bunch of ways to skin a cat. My feeling is what works best for me is pure empowerment to the team and then making sure they feel trusted that if they bring something in and it isn't the right thing that it's not like, Oh shit, I'm just, I'm about to get fired because I spent $150,000 on this. While I would love for the fact that anything we spend money on to actually work out well, I would more actually love the fact that if we learn from the failure and got better the next time that, that that's almost invaluable, you know, to me, I just happen to work at a publicly traded company that, you know, is growing so rapidly that I have, I'm, I'm afforded that opportunity to be able to do it. But again, I'll seize that opportunity every single second of every day till it's not there. Cause that was the, the running joke. This is back in my old days, you know, at Cisco and it was like our, our, our CIO went on a plane, bought CIO magazine and now said, we need to be in the cloud. What yeah. the, uh, and it just like, so we would kind of chuckle going, you know, we get to sell a bunch of crap to you, but at the same time going, that's how you're making, you know, your decisions, you know, and it was it happened more than 10 times. This isn't like it was like a one thing. They would read an article about a trend and say, we need to be there and wouldn't had paid no mind to what's going on with their company and just, you know, exactly. made poor decisions. And, you know, and guess what? It breaks, you know. Yep, for sure. So what else, Randy, what else you got going on? Randy, you got to put Randy on mute. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're hearing. Noise. But, uh... Uh, anybody staying up tonight to watch Loki? Oh, it's tonight. It's, it's Wednesday, so you know, three a.m. Am I the only one that thinks Loki is like a Marvel uh, quantum leap? It's like, oh, the fe- the pe- we got to go in the past and change things so it's better. It looks like a cheap quantum it leap. Looks like that from the trailer, but they're going to subvert expectations. It's got to be completely different than what you're expecting. I don't know. He's like a like a less good looking and fun Scott Bakula. Totally. I totally. <laughs> now, what do you think of? Uh, see, you rough through Wanda. I quit after episode one. Then I saw the buzz on social that you had to make episode four blew your mind, and then I rocked it out. And I, you know, I loved it and I hated it at the same time. What I was, was the same, uh, way. same way? It, like it was silly. Like the whole thing was silly. Although I love that they brought back uh, Evan Peters as Quicksilver. I thought that was fantastic. Loved oh yeah. Him. I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. But overall, I mean, I love, so I love Paul Bettany. So love, like, I love when Vision's back. I Like, I love the character, you know, but again, I don't know. It's just like, for me, it was just a little silly. See, now what my problem was, Dave used to always trash on me, but I, every time I watched an episode, I would watch Screen Crush on YouTube and they would do like the 53 Easter eggs you missed. Yeah. And it was so much minute detail on like, this graffiti on this wall that was in reference to, and they would know these, like this came from exactly. the license plate was because when Wolverine was in this town and that was the episode number. And and we're just like looking at this going, it would make, it would, you know, I hated it for WandaVision, but I loved it for Mandalorian and for 
uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Did you? Because like I like so I like I, I always go back. So when I was in college, I got super into Star Trek: The Next Generation. And just so we're clear, Picard is the best one. That he's the best captain that ever lived. We Blasphemy. Can, yeah. Ah, oh, shut up, Bob. And like so, Kirk. Kirk. You know, you know, stop it. It's not even cl- like not even just, close. Not yeah. Come on, Bob. You just sound silly now. Blasphemy. And so like. I, I I got a book on every Easter egg and every mistake in the next generation. And I got so thorough into it. It totally ruined it for me. I'm like, and now I'm just looking at all, I'm not even joining the show anymore. All I'm looking for are all the small details, which if I was producing the show and making the show, I thought I, I like, I think it would have been great, but you're know, like rewatching it, it like a totally, like I lost the love for it. So are you watching lower decks? No. You'll, if you, they do a lot of those references and callbacks, but they're very obvious that, hey, this is a reference to, you know, That's episode battery. from the animated series or something. Uh, so I highly recommend Lower Decks. It's a oh, great right. Star Trek series. All right. And, Bob, by the way, if you can get Bill off of here also, Kirk was the original and the best. I mean, Bill, come on, dude. I knew I liked Bill. I knew I liked Bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Picard all the way. Oh, see, he's Professor X to me. He's not even, like... That was way after. Yeah, I don't care. Even Captain Jane, at least she was hot, you know. So, like, at least there were there was that. <laughs> you know, that was pretty good. Yeah. I couldn't do the Edward James almost Battlestar Galactica either because it was all about uh, Lauren Green to me. Yeah, and the, all the pox and everything. Yeah, with Edward. Yeah. I know. I get it. Yeah. How do we save these keys? That's all I thought he was going to say next. <laughs> you know. So hey, we're getting to the top of the hour. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, or you want to get cut loose? Get back I, to I, the. I, I, I mean, I, let's, we could do a couple of things. We could talk about the T-shirt. We could talk about the sports jacket. We could talk about the beard. The fact that you're not wearing your PBR—have you ever worn it in any of your podcasts? Your your no, your PBR jacket? no, not once. Why? I don't know. All right, do, for next week for you. Well, I also don't like that. It's this is episode three ninety eight. You couldn't have waited for episode four hundred for me. Like we, we could have made a sports special. I got first two get- the first guest I booked is actually Greg Garrett from CGS. I think you know him. Oh, yeah, for sure. I know I, Greg, yeah. He booked out like a month and a half when we started rebooking again for the show. He's like, I'll take this day. And, you know, and that ended up being 400. Because I did an interview last March with Anthony Michael Hall. It was probably one of my, uh, like, I, know I, you I was. Love Anthony Michael Hall. He's great. I totally do. Candles, but that's it. But okay. And, and I totally. And- Johnny something. He was and I got it. through it without making out with him, which was a complete like <laughs> win on my part. Um, sure. But I wanted to like bubble that back up or circle that up. But I'm like, nah, we'll just we'll just run the show. It's fine. Because like, you know, <laughs> over the over the course of the years, we've interviewed so many. And that was the thing that like when we interviewed like Lou Ferrigno and he yelled at me, that was that was great. Um, but we interviewed a lot of people we never even published. It was just we just held on to it and never brought it out, you know. Yeah, Lou Ferrigno yelled at me because I uh, I equated him to Seagal and Shaq as like celebrity honorary sheriffs, and he yelled at me that he actually does the work and puts in his thirty hours a month, and he did all the certification. He's on the dive team, and who the hell do I think I? I'm like, really? Sorry. Yeah, I'm on. I'm, I do the I do the hours. I'm on the dive team. I gotta do doing <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger here, but like. And he's like seventy years old, man, and could beat all three of our asses with like one hand. The guy's in amazing shape. Oh yeah, for sure. And he can't be. Um, I think I'm actually bigger and stronger than Luke Ferguson, just so we're on the same page. But yes, right. So now being a nerd, are you going? You go to you don't go to comic cons, do you? Or are you going to? Uh, 
Um, I've never been allowed to go, but I would love to go if somebody would invite me. Yes, for sure. I would absolutely go. I'm inviting you. I think we're just going to, we're not going to get a booth. We're just going to get a press pass this year to Motor City. Oh my God, I would love to go. I'm not kidding. And then uh, my new favorite one is Astronomicon because it's a super small venue. Like the celebs aren't in like Cedar Point mate, rat mazes. Like they're all just hanging out at the bar. Yeah. Um, I ended up having a conversation about Detroit pizza with someone. And then I walked by him and it was Michael Myers from the, from Halloween. Really? Like, I'm like, hey, like I kind of look at him. I go, what what do you end up getting? He's like, a buddies who's down the street. And I'm like, you, you know, and I'm like, that was Michael Myers. And, you know, you try to act like you're not, you was know, in love with him. The actor, or is it just a guy in a Michael Myers mask and you didn't know the difference? It was the guy that, no, because he was <laughs> short and I don't know what he actually played, but he said he was Michael Myers. And I'm like, Michael Myers, I thought was like 6'5. You're like 5'8. Yeah. Um, I think it was like his face when he took the mask off in like four or something. Yeah, and, right. There's all these obscure, like Star Wars always had. It's the puppeteer from episode one on the one character that you don't even know who it is. And they act like they own the place, you know. (laughs) But no, the the, uh, the Astronomicon is done by the guys from Twisted from ICP or whatever. They bring out horror people and wrestling. And it's just an amazing collection of people. Like Bam Margera was there last year and sitting next to Dee Snyder and Anthony Michael Hall. So, yeah, it's good. It's good times. Nice. So, hey, uh, you don't want anybody hitting you up on, on LinkedIn, do you? So I'll, I'll save a post in that. You for sure can hit me up on LinkedIn. Absolutely. All right. I'm already connected <laughs> with you. But anyone that wants to connect, Jason Bressler, seriously, appreciate it. The uh, the IT guy from uh, UWM, um, cheers to your continued success. And I, I sincerely appreciate our friendship and the time you spent with us. Me too. And, uh, so, hey, we're going to wrap things up for episode 398. Sorry, we can call it 400 later. You want us to save it for 400 and put Greg 398? Oh, my God. Could you? That would be so <laughs> much fun. I'll tell him. I'll tell him. Um, <laughs> no. Hey, we're going to wrap things up for episode 398. Honestly, I, uh, we can't thank you enough, Jason. Uh, we appreciate the time. Jason sure. Russell, UWM. On behalf of uh, myself and Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it. <laughs>